Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. It's uh, good to be back with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, my wife and I, family and I, we were in Ohio. We had a wedding that we went to. Um, It was a couple that was in our youth group when we were youth pastors uh, there at the church for nine years. We knew these uh, kids since they were probably about, uh, I don't know, fifth grade or so. And uh, they were childhood sweethearts and decided to get married. And um, they asked me to to do the wedding for them. And uh, it it was a blessing and an honor to do that. And so I am truly grateful to be back with you all here this, uh, this week. And um, I had said during the, the month of uh, December, we were going to spend a little bit of time going through uh, some of the things, the prophecies concerning about the virgin birth of Christ. And uh, last week, our brother Alan spent some time uh, talking about uh, Bethlehem, how it was designed uh, for Christ and how the Lord uh, predicted all of that, that Christ would come out of Bethlehem. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, Genesis 3.15 about the, the very first showing of the virgin birth. Remember that the seed of the woman and how we could trace that seed and how uh, the seed does not come from woman, but it comes from man. But uh, here God declares that out of the seed of a woman, uh, he would be born. And uh, we dealt uh, with a few of those things. And so this week, I want us to meditate on the virgin birth and what God's Word teaches us uh, about it. And, you know, no doubt a virgin birth is a miracle. I mean, did you guys read anything in the newspaper last week about uh, a virgin birth happening a year ago, six years ago? No, it doesn't happen. Um, some people try to say, well, yeah, it does. In, in science, we have all these things where uh, a, a female frog can actually uh, give a, uh, a birth to another frog without the aid of a male because it can actually alter its sex. But you know what's interesting about all that? All those uh, things that happen in that way, they're all female. The, the, the resulting birth of that is always female. It's never male. And here we have Christ being born, a male, uh, from a virgin. And you know, there are over 300 prophecies concerning uh, the virgin uh, birth and about Christ and about where he was to be born and all of those things throughout God's word. Uh, In fact, Jesus uh, Christ fulfilled numerous of those uh, predictions. Uh, He fulfilled every single exactly one of them. Um, Micah predicted he would be born in Bethlehem, and he was. Hosea predicted that uh, he would be called out of Egypt, and he was. The prophets said that he would arise out of Galilee, and he did, out of the little town of Nazareth. In fact, the odds of one person fulfilling just eight of those several hundred prophecies, so the fact of just one person fulfilling just eight of those is one in ten to the 17th power. If you want to write that out, that's one with 17 zeros behind it. 
okay? And obviously, as you get more and more down to just fulfilling one and multiple, that number is so astronomical, we can't even really uh, write that out. And so today we come to perhaps one of the most startling prophecies of all, and that is uh, that Messiah would be born of a virgin. And we're going to look at two portions of Scripture here this morning, okay? Uh, so what I'd like you to do is turn over to Matthew uh, chapter number 1, and uh, put a marker there if you have something that uh, we'll, we'll look at. But then also find your place also in uh, Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, we're going to look at these two uh, things of Scripture here and uh, what they have to say about uh, Christ being born of a virgin. So Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 7. And we're actually going to start here in Matthew 1. So here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. The virgin-born Son of God is necessary for our redemption. The virgin-born Son of God is necessary for our redemption. So let's begin here in Matthew chapter number 1. Now, uh, as we look here at Matthew 1, you're going to see all these names here, uh, beginning in verses 1 on down through. And uh, we're not going to read all those names as they recorded for us, verses 1 through 17. Because it's talking here about the genealogy and the generations of Jesus Christ. Now, um, he's giving these messianic credentials to who Christ is. He's saying, he is the rightly born king. Jesus is. And uh, what's interesting is, is when you look at the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of those books, they all teach us something different about who Jesus is. Matthew here records for us and tells us that he is the rightful king of the Jews. Uh, you'll see that over and over and over again. That's the whole genealogy there in Matthew. Uh, in the book of uh, Mark, uh, it's a very short book, but it shows us that Jesus as a servant, he's always going and serving and doing. It tells us, you see it, it says, and he went, and he went, and he went. He's always serving. Uh, then you have the book of Luke, which uh, tells us about Jesus' humanity. And uh, Matthew and Luke are the only two books that uh, record for us about the birth of Jesus. And we see a lot of the humanity side of Jesus. But then in the book of John, it starts with, in the beginning was the Word. And it's showing us that Jesus was God from the very beginning. Um, and so we get these different pictures of who Jesus is. And so here in Matthew, we are given this recording of Jesus having the rightly kingship that is due to him because of the genealogy that's traced all the way back. And you can trace that genealogy back as you look throughout the Old Testament. You'll see that. Uh, so now we're going to begin here in verse number 18. And so take note here of the rest of the chapter here, beginning in verse 18. Look what it says here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, this is an engagement, they're going to get married, before they came together, before they had any type of sexual relations together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. 
For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And so Matthew here goes from giving us this genealogy about who Jesus is, his rightly kingship, to now this prophecy. And he's saying all of it's been done to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And so he shows us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those predictions by those prophets and those prophecies that were made in the Old Testament. And the first fulfilled prophecy that Matthew brings to light here is the virgin birth. Look at verse 18 again. Uh, look what he said, or excuse me, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. This is what the prophet had spoken. Behold, that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is a biological miracle. This does not happen. This is a miracle that took place. That a child will be born without any contribution of a human male whatsoever. That doesn't happen. But it did here. And it says here, but that he will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's a pretty amazing promise, is it not? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Interesting enough, according to Red Book Magazine, a poll was taken of students that were studying at several different theological seminaries. Their result was that 56% of students in theological seminaries do not believe in the virgin birth. Now you say, well, that was probably just last week or last month, last year. No, this poll was taken in 1968. Pretty astounding. In fact, one notable uh, pastor that's, uh, I think he's in Georgia, um, and uh, his name is uh, Andy Stanley, said this about the virgin birth. He said, well, the Bible doesn't seem to make much uh, a big deal about it, so neither should I. Well, Andy Stanley's very confused about what God's word has to say about the virgin birth, and it is absolutely necessary for our salvation because Jesus is the promise of a redeemer. As we see here in Matthew, is what he says about the fact that a virgin will conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So here we have recorded in God's infallible, inspired, perfect word for us that there will be a promise of a redeemer and that will be born of a virgin. Take a look here at verse 19 through 20 because obviously Joseph was having a hard time with this because look what he says here. Joseph, uh, he says, uh, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That must have been quite a surprise for Joseph, right? I mean, can you imagine? He's getting ready to be married, and what's going on here, Mary? struggling with this. This is not something that happens normally. 
This isn't something that happens often. It only happened once. Notice that the angel doesn't say, you guys are going to have a son. What does the angel say? Look at verse number 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. Not you guys. She will bear a son. So Joseph had nothing to do with this birth happening. Only, his only job that was given to him was to name the child. And that's exactly what, uh, what he did. Look at verses 22 and 23. He says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so what is being told here by this angel is a medical, physical impossibility. It has never been done and it won't ever happen again. But notice what the angel promises. Look what he says here. He promises a savior and the savior will be the son predicted by Isaiah the prophet who will be the solution to our problem. Because look at verse number 23. The prophet says here, they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. But here in verse 25, we see Joseph, look what he says, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? The prophet says, you will call his name Emmanuel, but here Joseph calls him Jesus. What does that mean? Well, his name denotes his mission. What he is called will tell you what he is called to do. His name, Jesus, means God is salvation. Yeshua or Yeshua or Joshua. Joshua and Jesus are the same, are derived from the same name. And it means the same thing. Jehovah or God is salvation. And so Emmanuel, God is with us in the flesh. He is our savior. He is going to be with us. And so that's what he's going to do. He's going to save his people from their sins. And that's what the angel says here in verse 21, does he not? He says he will save his people from their sins. You know, I think this is where people have a hard time of understanding of exactly what Jesus was sent here to do. Well, I was at the wedding uh, last week. There was a photographer that was there, an assistant photographer, and she was uh, from Vietnam. And she was there helping the other uh, lady that was there. And I started talking with her just a little bit. And she was here on a student visa studying in Columbus. And so she was there and just chatting up some conversation with her. And I asked her, just talking with her, and I asked her, I said, do you know who Jesus is? And she said, oh, yes, I know who Jesus is. And I said, well, what do you know about him? And her answer is very revealing of what people think a lot about what Jesus actually came here to do. In this fact, when I was talking with her, um, she was thinking the fact that she believed that uh, negativity and everything that was in the world, Jesus came to bring about peace. In other words, to solve all the negativity that was going on in the world. And so really, Jesus is just one of the other things that we can believe in. 
Some people believe in Jesus that he was sent here to uh, help us through our problems, that Jesus is kind of a thing that we can lean on and help us. But the word of God declares that Jesus Christ was sent to save us from our sins. And that's the whole reason why Christ was sent. And so some believe Jesus came to save us from poverty, to save us from disease or these cultural problems. But Jesus was sent to save us from the greatest human infection of all times. This virus is more deadly than COVID-19. And that virus is sin. And Jesus was sent to save us from our sin. And so people don't seem to grasp that today because they don't see themselves as sinners. Uh, they think that they don't, are in need of salvation. Man thinks that they're basically good. Jesus, when he was on the cross, the very first words out of his mouth, do you remember what they were? Father, forgive them. That's what he came for. Forgiveness, right? To save us. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Why would that be the very first words out of Jesus' mouth? That was his first prayer because that was our greatest need. Forgiveness is our greatest need. So our greatest need became Jesus' greatest mission. He will save them from their sins to forgive them. And you know, frankly, the reason that many people are not interested in Jesus Christ is because they don't see their need of a savior, because they don't see themselves as sinful before God. And the reality is, if you don't think that you're sinful before God, then you don't need a Savior. In fact, uh, we find in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus said, Those who are well do not need a physician, only those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, John looked at him and he said this, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, This is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so that is what the angel is basically saying to Joseph here. You're going to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And so this was Jesus' mission. And that is the promise of a redeemer for us, of, of Christ being born of a virgin was necessary in order for us to be saved from our sins. And so it, it only is possible for sinners to be forgiven through his death and punishment for our sin on the cross. And that's exactly what Jesus accomplished for us. And how did he do that? Well, he did that through the virgin birth. And so the virgin birth is absolutely necessary to solve our problem. Our problem is sin. And you'll see why in our next point, because if Jesus wasn't virgin born, um, then the claim that he can save is highly, highly questionable if Jesus was not virgin born. So let's look at the second thing here. If Jesus was not virgin born, then he is not God. I can't tell you how important and vital the doctrine of the virgin birth is to the church and what we believe. The virgin birth has been hotly debated since the early church. Basically, it comes down to is this, is Jesus divine? Meaning, is he God? Because if Jesus is not God, 
then, the, then the, the fact of him actually being able to save us is very, very slim. And so the fact that he was virgin born clearly testifies that he is God. Today we have all kinds of liberal theologians who have attacked this doctrine as a superstition. They have branded it a legend created to make Jesus seem divine, or they said that the church has borrowed from pagan traditions, pagan myths or Jewish traditions to make Jesus divine. Uh, some people have taught that uh, Jesus was the result of an illegitimate relationship between Mary and a, another person. And so then they tried to cover it up and tried to make it seem like that's not what it is. Um, a pagan opponent of the early church said that Jesus was a result of a sexual encounter between Mary and a Roman soldier. Surprising enough, you can still find that teaching in this present day today. What people believe about who Jesus is really tells you a lot of what they believe. Like I said, some people believe just Jesus was a good guy. Some people believe Jesus was just a, a nice man, a, a good teacher, a prophet of some sorts. But is Jesus God? See, the virgin birth falls on one of the great fault lines of the Christian faith, and it rests on the great divide that separates those who believe the Bible is God's word and those who don't. It separates those who believe in a supernatural Christ from those who believe that he was just a good man, a moral teacher, a revolutionary, a prophet, but really not the son of God. And so this is why it's crucial that we state plainly what we believe about the birth of Christ. Christians make a claim for Jesus that cannot be made for any other person. His life did not begin at his birth. He's always existed. Unlike every other human being whose beginning can be traced to a very specific beginning, Jesus didn't. He's always existed. As what John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten, the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus Christ had no beginning because He's eternal. He existed forever with God, the Father, and God, the Holy Spirit. And so this is, a, this is a, an astounding claim to make to say that Jesus is God, and his virgin birth backs that up. You see, the virgin birth stands as a guarantee that only Christ can save man from their sins. Only a human could die for a human, but that human must be perfect, must be divine. That's why the virgin birth is so necessary, because he is born of Mary, he is fully human. You see, a dog can't die for your sins. Only another human can. That's why Jesus had to be human. But he also had to be divine because only God can forgive sins. Only God could take the place. Take notice of our text here in uh, Matthew uh, chapter uh, 1, verses 22 and 23. What he says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son 
and they shall call his manual, which means God with us. Now, this is very important. You'll see why here in just a few moments. But notice that Matthew quotes an Old Testament passage here, okay? He's quoting here from the prophet Isaiah, a prophet who wrote and predicted about the Messiah 700 years prior to Christ ever being born on the scene. Now, let's turn over to, to Isaiah chapter 7, if you still have your place marked over there, okay? Because I want you to see this prophecy, because this is not just some type of verse that's just kind of hanging out there in existence, okay? Because I think when you see the whole background of what was going on in Isaiah's prophecy, it will really bring some concrete evidence to who Jesus Christ is. Okay, so let's look here at Isaiah chapter number 7. And the, the prophecy here is found in Isaiah 7, 14. But we're going to start reading in verse number 10 to kind of get the, the full flavor of what's going on, okay? So look here at verse number 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. This is Isaiah speaking. He says, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So he's saying this and he's telling him, look, I want you to ask a Lord of a sign. He, and Ahaz is going, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to ask of a sign. Boy, he sounds real super spiritual, doesn't he? And Isaiah says, well, I'll tell you what. The Lord himself will give you a sign. He said, well, that's great, Mike, but what does all this mean? What does all this have to do with Jesus, the virgin birth, Christ, who he is? What does all this have to do? Well, here's what's happening here in the book of Isaiah. During the time that Isaiah was writing, you had the divided kingdom, okay? Israel was divided. You had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom, okay? The nation of Israel was divided, and so you have these two kingdoms, the north and the south. The kingdom of Israel, which consisted of 10 tribes, okay, in the north. Then you had the southern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Judah, and that consisted of two tribes. So there's the 12 tribes of Israel. There it's a divided kingdom, 10 and 2, all right? So now you have here, you see Isaiah talking to Ahaz. Now, Ahaz here is mentioned in Matthew chapter number one in that genealogy. Because remember, what is, what is uh, Matthew telling us? He's telling us some things about Christ's right to the kingdom. And Ahaz is mentioned in that genealogy. And here he is in Isaiah chapter number seven. And so we find here that Ahaz being the kingdom in the kingdom of Judah, he says some things about what is going to happen. Now, during this time, it was a very political and dark time that was going on in the nation of Israel. There was a threat that was happening. And that threat was Assyria. Assyria was going to come in and was going to destroy the nation of Israel. And so here 
we find, and I encourage you to read uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 7 through 9 on your own, okay, to kind of get the, the, the whole thing. But there were two other kings during this time. We find uh, there was Pekah, who was the king of Israel, okay? So there he is. He's up in the northern kingdom. And then we have Rezin, who was the king of Damascus in Syria. And these two kings, Pekah and Rezin, had formed a coalition together to fight against the king of Assyria, because the king of Assyria is going to come in, he's going to destroy. And so they form this coalition. They say, hey, guys, let's band together. Let's band our kingdoms together so we can defend against this nation of Assyria, this kingdom of Assyria. And so what do they do? Well, they form this coalition and they try talking King Ahaz into this coalition, but he doesn't want anything to do with it. He says, no, that's not my fight, guys. I don't want anything to do with your fight. I don't want to be a part of it. And so what happens? Well, those two kings, Pekah and Rezin, they threaten now King Ahaz in Jerusalem. So they basically saying, so you don't want to help us? So you know what we're going to do? We're going to come down there and we're going to destroy you. Boy, what a bunch of lovely guys, right? So they're going to come down there. And so now Ahaz is really having a hard, difficult time. He doesn't know what to do. He's kind of freaked out. And so what does he do? Well, basically, we find that he sends a bribe to the king of Assyria, and he sends money to him and says, would you please attack those two kings up there in the northern kingdom for me? <laughs> kind of interesting, right? So this guy, this King Ahaz, he is worried about the kingly line. He's worried that the, 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 the nation is going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out. And so he is asking, he's saying, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he's afraid. And so in walks Isaiah the prophet, and the prophet says, just want you to know that God is going to protect you and Judah. And that's where we pick up. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. He's going to protect you. You ask of him a sign that's going to show that he is going to protect you and he's going to preserve that kingly line. And so here's Ahaz trying to be all super spiritual. Well, I'm not going to ask the Lord of a sign. No, 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 no. And uh, Isaiah says, you want a sign? Here's the sign. A virgin will conceive and bring forth a child. He says, and he will be Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so nothing he's saying here, here's the promise. Nothing's going to happen to the kingly line. Nothing is going to take away the kingly line. The virgin shall be with child and that child will be Emmanuel, which is God with us. And he says, you look down, Ahaz, you look down the corridors of time. And that kingly line will be preserved. And that's exactly what we see in Matthew chapter number one. You see that name Ahaz there. And you see, you can trace the lineage of Jesus Christ all the way back, showing that God did fulfill his promise. It wasn't just some thing that was just kind of spoken out there and just said, okay, a virgin's going to conceive. It all had these implications about it, that God would preserve his people, that God would bring forth the Redeemer through the lineage of Christ. And all of that happened. He would keep his promise. Look at verse number 14. Take notice of that word sign. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. That's important. You see, whenever you see the word or hear the word sign in the Bible, 
It's a pretty special thing. It has something to do with it. And so it's something that is going to happen. It's not something that's just kind of like, well, I'm going to throw that out there, and, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. No. He says, I'm going to give you a sign, and it will happen. And so a sign is the disruption and the natural flow of things. It is a supernatural event. Example, the parting of the Red Sea. Would you say that that was a sign that salvation, that God had delivered his people? The parting of the Red Sea. Can you imagine that? That's a sign, isn't it? Um, a fire falling from heaven and consuming Elijah's sacrifice. Would you say that that's a sign? I mean, here's Elijah pouring all that water, digging a ditch and dousing everything with water and saying, okay, God's going to consume it. He's going to consume it. That's a sign. And so Jesus here being born of a virgin, that's a sign that God will save his people from their sins. So what is this sign? What does it say? Well, it says that the virgin shall conceive. That's quite a sign, isn't it? That's a supernatural event. That's not an everyday occurrence. Even though the Lord has given us a sign, there are still people who believe otherwise. One of the attacks on this is that people don't want to accept who this child is. So you know what they try to say? They try to say, well, you know, when Isaiah was writing that prophecy, uh, he was using a word that could also mean uh, young maiden or young woman. But this prophecy is very explicit. It says, a virgin shall conceive. And so they try to say, well, you know, because it's a, it's a young maid and a young woman, it's really not that important. But did you know that children just being born every single day, that happens all the time. Is that really a sign? I mean, did you open the newspaper yesterday and be like, wow, would you look at this? Another human being was born into the world. Is that a sign? No. A virgin conceiving, now that's a sign. So here's my question. If you look at Isaiah 7 and you say, well, it was just a young woman or young maid and it really wasn't a virgin then you have to say, well, if this isn't the Messiah, then who is it? If this isn't talking about Jesus, then who is it? You're really going to have to give an account to that because when the further you read, especially when you get into Isaiah chapter number nine, uh, it talks about the fact the child being born to us, a son is given. It talks about that he will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You're really going to have to deal with that. And so a virgin is going to conceive and bear forth a son. And so if Jesus was not virgin born, then he is not God. Uh, you know, another argument uh, that uh, people try to, to put into this is the fact that, well, you know, Jesus really wasn't that, uh, he, did, he wasn't divine. But you still have to deal with the fact that Jesus was virgin born. Why? Because only God can save people from their sins. Another human being, a fallen human being, cannot do that. Because we're tainted by sin. That's why Jesus had to be virgin born. So here is the amazing thing. When Matthew wrote his gospel, 
he explicitly used Isaiah 7, 14. He took that and he explicitly used the, and he says, okay, the sign, right? And he explicitly used the word virgin. It cannot be translated as a young maiden, can't be translated as a young woman. It's only explicitly translated as virgin. Now, who actually wrote the word of God? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit used Matthew to write those exact words that he is virgin born. And so he is going to save his people from his sins. And so if Jesus was not born of a virgin, that is if Jesus Christ were born like every other human being, then he's not God. And if he's not God, then all of his claims are lies because he kept claiming to be God. And even his enemies said, you are constantly making yourself equal to God. And so if he's not born a virgin, he's not God. He's, and if he's not God, his claims are false. And if his claims are false, then guess what? Your salvation, my salvation is a hoax. It's not real. So that's why I ask you, do you really believe that? That Jesus was born of a virgin? You see, our salvation really depends a lot upon that, that Christ was virgin born. You see, because the scriptures say it will be the virgin born son of God who will come and die and rise again. So it's absolutely essential. Here's the last thing I want you to take a look at here. The virgin birth of Jesus is the solution to man's greatest need. And let me just say, because he is born of a virgin, he's the perfect solution. You see, because as a man, he's the perfect representative of us. As God, he's the perfect sacrifice for us. Because he was sinless and took all of our sins upon himself, even though he himself committed none, he is the perfect representative of us being human. And he's the perfect sacrifice for us by being God. So think of it this way. Jesus on the cross, hands stretched out because of crucifixion. He's there, he's dying for our sins. With one hand, he could take the hand of the Father. With the other hand, he could take the hand of humanity and bring God and man together. And that's exactly what Christ did. He reconciled us to God. And that could only happen because of the virgin birth. And so... The virgin birth provides the solution to our sin dilemma. It provides solution to our sin problem. And you know, if you're sitting here and you have been in church or you've had church or you've been around church or you've had some type of religious type things in your life, but you've never repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, there's no hope for you. That's the only hope that you have is the virgin born son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save you from your sins. And so I encourage you, if you do not know the Lord and God is drawing you unto himself, don't harden your heart, turn to Christ, repent of your sin and believe the gospel because Christ is the only way of salvation. So let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.